sick again. Um, I can't tell if it's like the normal like phase of life that we're in um, because of the toddlers, the, because like the little one's now a toddler, like he's walking uh, or if it's, um, you know, just that like, I haven't, I mean, just really candidly haven't been like the best about working out or like staying healthy and fit. And so if it's like my, my immune system isn't as good as it should be because of that, or if it's just like the compound, like, injury of like stress that is, you know, cause stress will really wear down your immune system too. I can't, I don't know if it's that, but definitely, um, I'm sick again and, uh, that's no fun. Yeah. That's a rough position to be in. I know with my kid going to school, man, we, um, my first one too, he was sick all the time. And then of course, if the kids are sick, then you get sick, especially if your immune system isn't great. And I know it's something like stress does it to you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finally in a, I'm finally starting to feel good again. Like really good. You sound good, man. Like you sound like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, mean, I, I, I want to just, I mean, it's been a, like, I, I remember the way you sounded a year ago. Of course we weren't recording the podcast then. Um, but you would, you had just left stored and like, I don't, yeah. I don't think like I've heard your voice come up in a year until just maybe the last like couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of give anybody context, you know, Ulta didn't work out for me. It was, uh, for, for a couple of reasons it didn't work out. And, uh, but it was also a, like a, um, I don't know if I was just in a weird place or, you know, I hadn't fully recovered from burnout or whatever the case was, you know, I can't blame it on, on Ulta, but I wasn't in a great place. Uh, I was talking to Kyle about something and he really just said something. And this is one of the reasons that I think that Everybody needs a sounding board. And sometimes having a couple sounding boards is really like mm-hmm. good for you. And, and I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not talking about, you know, your kids. I'm talking about like somebody who else who operates in your space that really understands what you're going through. And so uh, between the both of you, all, you've been great. But I was talking to Kyle about something and, and, and he said something about the ability to deal with stress at home makes dealing with stress from work like basically he was saying that you, if you can deal with stress at home, right, you don't have a lot of stress from the, your home life coming, um, then you can more easily deal with the stress from work. But if you have a lot of stress at home, like let's just say your kids are sick all the time. You've got a whiny mm-hmm. baby in the background, right? Because they don't know how to deal with it. And they don't know how to express themselves. And then you've got stress at work. Right. If you can't, if you can't, you know, mitigate the stress at home, not throw any fault of your own, but just because that's life, right? Right. Then when, when the stress from work gets really bad, it's going to affect you, right? It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your body. You're going to start to feel sick. And I'm telling you, I'm finally in a place where I feel really good. And part of that, this is not a podcast about Propeller, but part of that is because of the work that we're doing Propeller. It feels great. I'm excited about it. But I've also been able to deal with some of the stress that I've had at home. And so I've noticed a direct you know, correlation there. Dealing with some of that stress at home has allowed me to deal with stress in my professional life. And yeah, I feel absolutely, I feel like I'm in a totally different space. I feel almost like where I was when I was in a really good place at USA. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, two toddlers at home. I can't say that life is stress-free, um, <laughs> especially home life. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely know that, uh, well, we're making it work. We're working hard and, and making it work. And then... Uh, there's also definitely work stress. There's ecosystem or, or we've already talked about where the work is, uh, where, where the tech sector is right now. Um, 
But yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I uh, I'm really happy with where Propeller is. I really think we're going to have something to to show folks soon. Um, very very excited about what's happening there. Um, yeah, I I've noticed a bunch of really small wins lately, and I'm a huge believer in capitalizing or to rec or recognizing the small wins, right? And I know that's something you know in, somewhere in that space is what you kind of wanted to talk about today. Yeah, and yeah. and and I think it works perfectly with where we're at with Propeller, right? These small wins, these small changes to this system that we're building, it's becoming more useful. And you start to see little things and you're like, hey, that's cool. Um, and then if we have a feature in mind, it goes live like in a couple of days. I mean, that's how easy it is. Yeah. Um, and so there's a bunch of small wins. And when you have a bunch of small wins, they make up big wins. And that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what we're shooting for. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about learning to win. And some of this is sort of ripped from the headlines, but some of it's just, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say that much of what I think my take on this is ripped directly from the book Good to Great. And at its core, it basically has like, I mean, and you experienced this at USA. So I, I will say that I got formal leadership training on this at USAA and it's really stuck with me. It's not something I learned as a teacher. It's not something I learned naturally. It's a really good book out there good to great. And one of the classes that I got put through was, um, was a, a basically a book study on this, uh, this book on good to great, but here's the, and, and you probably remember some of this language from USA, but the basic idea is like, we have two choices, right. Um, is, and I, I will say Ram just off the bat that I really struggle with this as an individual, because as we talk through this, you know, that I am a committed generalist. I want to like know a little bit about everything, but that's, that is not probably the path to greatness, to being great at something, obviously. Um, so like the idea behind good to great is that like you have, a, you have a choice to either mitigate your weaknesses or to lean into your strengths, to lean into those wins. Like when you win, like reproduce that win instead of like looking at like, like I'll just kind of uh, in passing, make a reference to something that I can't talk about in detail. But like, if you see, you know, you might see a 2% drop in something. And in another place, you might see a three minute gain in something. And if you have the choice to focus on like what caused that 2% drop or what caused that three minute gain, focus on what, what boosted you, what boosted you. And that's basically the idea behind good to great is that greatness is from leaning into strengths more than it is from trying to mitigate weaknesses. And like, it sort of reminds me of, I don't know, we've, we've ever talked about this, which I feel like I've said a lot on the podcast lately, but like, I used to play chess, um, pretty, um, regularly semi-competitively. And, um, I remember my dad telling me one time, he's like, Hey, um, you're never going to win if you're just playing not to be beat. And like, I mean, that's, that's true. You know, I'm like, if you're playing for the stalemate, you're going to get the stalemate to to win involves risk and like um i mean certainly there's you know some uh, uh, nuance to that but basically the idea is like with with propeller like we've had this thing going and we've had some wins and so like leaning into those wins and capitalizing them and trying to reproduce them is probably a better way for us to spend our time and not necessarily that we shouldn't ever spend our time mitigating loss but if we have the option to lean into a win versus like protect ourselves from a loss. Like I would say we should lean into our wins. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned something a second ago when you said that um, you like to be 
a strong generalist as opposed to like leaning into something specific. And you made me, you reminded me of something, right? We're still talking about wins here, but you reminded me of something on that specific subject. So I was watching, uh, it was probably a couple of years ago now, but there's a documentary on Netflix. I'm sure you're, I think we talked about this before and you know about it. It's like hero dreams of sushi or something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically there's this guy in like Japan or something and he got really good at making sushi and probably other things, but he focused on what he was good at, right? So he yeah. could have said, hey, you know, I really want to go be a doctor. I want to go be something else. And he probably wouldn't did that, but he was already good at this thing. And then he was also raising his, I think his son to follow in his footsteps. And his son could have said, I want to go do something else. Right. But you can choose to be a generalist, right? Or you can choose to, you know, again, capitalize on the wins or to recognize the wins. You're, you're pretty good at this thing. And you mentioned how, as a generalist, you're not going to be like at the top of your field kind of thing. Right. Um, but this guy over here, people traveling all around the world to go to his sushi restaurant. I'm sure he he works a lot, but he became hyper-focused on this one thing. Right. Right. And so he he is now like renowned as an expert in his field, right? He does his, this thing really well. And I, I think there's something about that in terms of like software, in oh, terms yeah. of like the space that we're in. And what I mean by that is, that the thing that your product should do or the, the thing that your product intends to do or does, it should do it extremely well as opposed to trying to do all the things. So we talk a lot about Propeller and I think mm-hmm. it's great to use this as an example. Um, Propeller is, if I, if I simplify it, it's a task board. Yeah. But But it's so much more than that because of the way it operates. Its intention is to be really good at helping you complete tasks and help you accomplish things. Right. We, we've looked at like Jira. We both used Jira in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's almost not good at one specific thing. It just kind of does a lot of things kind of good. It right. facilitates work. But it doesn't really like solve my problem the way I want it to. You know, we use tools like Trello and it's great for like certain things, but then it also fails in other areas. And so coming back to that whole idea of like winning where you can and focusing on your strengths, Propeller, our goal is to make it to make it as strong in one area as we can. That way uh, it solves the problem to, a be- to the best of its ability, right? And, and that's another thing we have to keep focus on is do we add this feature that, you know, deviates from our plan, right? right? And then right. turns us into another, right. another software out there that tries to do too many things. And this is, I mean, this is really at the core of like good to great. Like it's called the hedgehog principle, um, you know, uh, in in the book. And but like we, what we're really talking about is Unix philosophy. At its core, we're talking about Unix, Unix philosophy: do one thing and do it well. One thing does one thing. Um, and like I'm a I'm a big proponent of Unix philosophy for especially in software design, and and that's really what we're trying for. But that also has like that's the idea behind a team, right? Is like teams shouldn't have to be everything. They should be able to be very good at one thing. This is like part of the principle behind domain modeling, right? It's like if a team owns a domain, they can just be really, really great at scheduling or they can be really, really great at payments. But if they're trying to like maintain an entire system, right? Like that's probably not a successful model. And, and like, I think the other thing that we talk about or that, that I think about is when you think about like, well, what domain should a team have? Like, it kind of comes back to like, what we talked about last time and making work fun, but also leaning into wins. Well, what is that team really good at? 
like if they're really, really good at this, but they often are not so great at that, like instead of trying to make them better at that, just like double down on the win of what they're good at and realize that you have a gap there and fill it with another team or outsource it to another product that can be really good at that. This is also, I think a really important lesson around building software is like, there are people that have been like, I'll just use timestamps because timestamps are pretty much the bane of any front end engineer's existence. Um, and, but like you can, you can write your own date to time library, probably so, or out of using like the standard tools. And, but like there are people that have invested a ton of time in that or form, form management's another good one. So many edge cases. And you could spend a bunch of time and like roll your own, or you could say like, am I, is this the problem I set out to solve? And if it's not, like, let me use the tool that that's the problem they set out to solve so that I can be good at what I'm trying to be good at. And that's also a big portion of why I think, you know, open source software is so important. It's because it allows us to focus on the things that we want to, the, the, the actual problems, business problems we want to solve and lean into those wins. Yeah, I think the wins come quicker that way too. If you've got this problem that's already solved by someone else, whether open source or maybe you have to do a paid solution, if you let them do that thing really well, yeah. then, and instead of trying to solve that problem as well, now you can get to the wins faster, right? Again, we want to be able to recognize where we win, where we excel, right, and then double down on that. Exactly. And, and as and opposed to focusing, it. yeah, as opposed to focusing on things we're not so good and say, oh, we'll just make ourselves good in that area too. When, when, when that's not, you know, the case, the other part about this is risk. Yeah. Is, is if we're, if our intention is to be really good in this space and we can, we've identified other people or software or tools that are really good in that space, let them be good in that space. Let them manage the risk for that, you know, thing that it does for that process. Mm -hmm. Right. That way we can better manage the risk for the thing that we're supposed, we've set out to solve and be very intentional about that. And the wins come faster right. because you can simply pick up uh, tools and technology along the way. And then you can also help to support, right? I mean, like open source is a, is a, is a huge community that needs lots yeah. of support um, because people are building the stuff on their own time. Right. And a lot of times they're not being compensated for it. So if we can identify areas that they've helped us and turn around and essentially give back as opposed to give back to like the big, large company that's already, right. you know, well-funded, then it's kind of like a win-win. Right, right, right. I mean, and, and like the, we've talked about like price optimization or cost optimization, but you probably like, I mean, we'll take something like Chakra, you and I both use and like Chakra a lot, like supporting that project is probably, um, I mean, it's probably fair to say that it is cheaper to support that project than it is to hire a full-time team of front-end engineers to build your own component library. Like there's no way that exchange doesn't come out to benefit the company. And it also comes out to benefit the, you know, the maintainers because in the large, if people that are using the product are supporting it, then those people can continue to support it. I think we've talked a little bit around this, Ram. So I, what I want to maybe just lean into is how do we get more intentional about focusing on wins and, and 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 then maybe the side question there is when is it okay to try to mitigate a loss? Because I'm not going to say you should never try to mitigate your losses, but I think if you have the choice, kind of like the Agile Manifesto, right? I love the modeling of the Agile Manifesto, and it take because it takes two things, right? It says like um, collaboration over contract negotiation, and it says at the very bottom it says it's not that the things on the right aren't important; 
It's that if I have to choose between what's on the left and what's on the right, I should choose what's on the left. And I think that that's really important. So what we're saying is, you know, uh, accelerating wins is on the left and uh, mitigating losses on the right. And that doesn't mean that we should never mitigate losses. So I think like what I would love to hear from you is like, one, how can we be, how can teams be more intentional about accelerating wins? And two, when should we mitigate losses? Yeah. So, so first I want to say I'm impressed. Um, I'm both impressed and saddened that you know that much about the Agile Manifesto. I'm a, I'm a committed agilist, Ram. I mean, like I, I, I'm not necessarily like Scrum or Kanban, but I, uh, I think that the principles, well, first of all, just the way the Agile Manifesto is written is like a set of principles I think is, is pretty elegant for decision-making. It's like a good mental model for decisioning. Uh, but also I think that like what they were trying to do, except for that pesky part about like people having to be face-to-face -to, -face to actually like build software, um, I think pretty much the rest of it resonates really well with me. Yeah, so to, so to that first point um, about uh, something about wins, right? What it really makes me think about was I was like 16 to 18. I played a lot of basketball, probably mm -hmm. like 15 to 18. I was in high school and I played a lot of basketball. We had like this hoop in this cult sack and like almost every day after school, I played basketball, right? And I and And I'm not like saying I was really good, but I could sink more than I would not sink, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, I always, you know, I got into that mentality of I didn't want to walk off the court until I sunk the last basket. Yeah. Right? You always want to finish on a win. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, oh, if I miss this one and that was intended to be my last one, well, then I've got to shoot again until I make it. Mm -hmm. And then when I make it, I can walk off. Right. I have to finish on a win. And I think I think that's very true for what we do in this business, you don't want to finish or like leave yourself in a suspended state. Right. A lot of times we do that and it becomes difficult to come back the next day. Or like if it's over a weekend and you come back after a couple of days and then you try to pick back up, um, it's better to finish on a high if possible. Mm -hmm. Right. So if that means that it's Monday and you've, and you've, you know, written down or you set a, a win for the day. Usually what I'll do is I'll set aside a couple wins. I'll say, if I, if I can get this accomplished, that's a win. If I get this next thing accomplished, that's a win. And sometimes you have to say, all right, I've accomplished this. So in our line of work, I solved the problem. I identified mm -hmm. the problem. I have a solution. I've pushed my work. My pipeline succeeded. And now I submit my merge request or my pull request. Mm -hmm. that's a win. I can step aside from my computer and not take on the next problem until tomorrow if I want to, like in, in my headspace. Right? In, order I... for us to, in order for us to, and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but... No, it's you're good. In order for us to like keep that positive mental state, I think this is really important. And that means not necessarily saying that I go from eight to five, but I go from start time to win. Mm -hmm. The thing that I also really like about what you're, we talking about it is like, and we could probably do a whole other podcast on this and probably will at some point, but in order to be able to accelerate wins, you have to have well-scoped, like you have to, you have to finish, you have to be able to finish, right? So like small enough to finish is the thing we talk about a lot internally um, for Anvil. And so like, but that's, that's really at the core is like in order to be able to say, did I win? 
and to learn from that win, like you have to have work scope small enough to finish. Like that's the very first step is work scope small enough to actually finish it so that you can actually ask the question or state, this is a win. You know, like I, I think that's a really a good, a good takeaway is like your very first step. Like if you're going to accelerate wins, you have to start by working small. Right. And, and uh, like during retro, you can, you can look at the tickets, you can look at the work that you've accomplished and the work that you didn't accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you can ask yourself, why didn't we have any wins here yeah. in the work that wasn't accomplished? And you can look at the work that was accomplished and you can say, you can look at the patterns that allowed you to get to a win. Maybe the work was scoped really small and tightly. Great, mm-hmm. right? That's that's something that we want to continue because we talked about accelerating wins. That's important. The more wins you get, ultimately, you all win as a company or with a solution. But when you run into problems and you get stuck on problems, I can't stress enough how much it beats you down mentally and how much it taxes you that it's difficult to come back from that. Right. Yeah. And so if, if you're having a lot of losses as opposed to a lot of wins or more win, let's say you have more losses than wins, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to weigh on you over time. Yeah. Right. And you're going to start to question. I think we all talk about this. We question, what am I even doing here? Am I the right person for this job? But if we have more wins than losses, right. A lot of times, that doesn't come up because we know that we're doing something. And as a company, as an organization, you can look for ways to make to ensure that we have more wins than losses, but that also we accelerate the wins. And part of that, yes, yeah, absolutely with scope. Um, another part of that is being okay when somebody gets a win. It's not, I'm just going to use the arbitrary five o'clock in the afternoon. Right. If it's a, if they've got a win and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and they're done for the day, finish on a win. Because yeah. if you start the next thing, it may very well roll over into the next thing. You don't finish on a win, right? It's hard to hard to leave the day like that. Well, I think that's a really important one, like just in the general like notion of like focusing on outcomes and not uh, like punch clocks, right? Like what is the outcome? Like can, did we, you know, and, and, and delivery is, is the outcome. The other thing that I think about though, you mentioned retros and I think this is really important. Of course, you've been on many, many instant calls. I've been on lots of instant calls and anytime there's an instant, the thing that always happens is you have some sort of retrospective, right? Like there's an instant, let's have a retrospective. Let's look at what happened and see what we can learn from it. And I do think that that's an important exercise. That's the mitigating loss part. I actually think that one of the things that we don't do well in our industry at large is we don't hold those same sort of like important ceremonies around wins. We don't say what led to this win? How could we reproduce this win? Because like when we have a, when we have a, a major incident, we say, how do we prevent this loss? But when we have a major win, a feature that delivers ships without bugs or an increase in velocity over a very short time period, we don't say, how do we manifest this and reproduce it? Because like ultimately like, you know, a company starts out, a team starts out, an organization starts out and they have no wins. You have to learn to win. And the only, I love that you used the example of basketball earlier, because this used to be an example I used when I was a teacher, but in order to learn to win, you have to practice the winning part. You don't actually practice not losing, right? You practice winning. You practice like you, you didn't practice blocking shots. You practiced making shots, right? You practice making the shot. And I'm not going to say defense doesn't matter, whatever. I don't know anything about sports ball. Um, but what I'm saying is that like you practice winning and to do that, you have to have some wins. And then you have to say, like, you have to be very intentional. What led to this win? How was this a win? What did we do right yeah. here 
can we take that do right and begin to multiply it across all of our exercises? Awesome. This project was a win and we were able to deliver it like really quickly because we had a lot of really sliced tickets and we we were able to pass the ball. Like that's the other thing that I think is really important that you called out. Like I'm going to use a bunch of sports metaphors because you got it in my head now. But like you're talking about like, you know, when you get down, like you get beat down and you're like, oh, I just don't know what's going on with this. Like it's important to be able to hand off that ticket, right? Like uh, we just recently had that with experiments. Experiments is kind of wonky. Um, we didn't really know what's going on. You did some investigation. And I was like, hey, I've got some time. Can I, can I take this ticket from you? And you're like, yes, <laughs> thumbs up. And so I went and I looked into it and now experiments is working again. Um, and we've got some other follow-on work to do there. But like those things are really, really important. And the thing that I think about more than anything is one, you have to practice winning. And the second is, is really, really important is in order to practice winning, you have to be able to see the win. Can you imagine? And I used to tell this story as a teacher. If you were shooting those baskets, you're shooting those baskets, but in between you and the basket is a wall. So you never actually get to see if the ball goes in. There's no scenario in which you would become a better basketball player in that. Because you have to be able to see if you made it. That's what makes it a win. And I think those are the two things that really come out of like this retro ideas. Like we should retro our wins. We should ask like, yeah. if this was a win, what made it successful? So how can we reproduce it? Man, there's so much, so much in this last five minutes, what you're talking about. There's so much there and you're absolutely right. And there's so much that we can learn from sports. You know, and I don't think we do enough of it in other industries, right? Sports is really good at this. Uh, you think about like the movie Moneyball. It was based off a true story, right? They they analyzed how they ended up winning games, right? And they went and got players that were really good at this. Yeah, Basketball is the same thing, right? I'll, there's two things that I really wanted to capitalize on was one was the retro part. And then the two was what was the handing off, right? So for the first part is like the retro part. It, you can look at a game and, and the teams will do the same thing. Uh, teams will look at footage, right? Uh, right. NFL players will go and look at the game afterwards and they'll analyze every single play, every single movement. Basketball is no different. And what happens is with basketball is you'll they'll look at the players, where they were on the court, and the percentage that that shot went in, mm -hmm. right? So if you look at Shaq, Shaquille knew when he was playing. His, his, his The highest percentage of his uh, shots made were like dunks, right? They were within right. like a foot or two foot of the <laughs> of the rim. Right. And so it became a no-brainer. Hey, when this player shoots, for in order for us to win, he needs to be within a foot or two feet of the basket, of the right. rim. And this other and players, yeah, and this other player is like a really good, you know, outside shooter. And But in this specific, you know, two-foot window, that's where they should shoot because they're really good right there. Right. And... um. We, we can do the exact same thing, right? Randy's really good at this thing. So it makes sense, you know, for him to help us facilitate wins in that space. Not to say he can't do other stuff, right? But we win a lot when Randy does the, the infrastructure and the Docker stuff, right? We win a lot when Lewis does this. We win a lot when, you know, I or somebody else does this. And then the other part of that, so one is you're absolutely right. Having a retro on our wins, how did we do that? And, and let's replicate it. The second part of that is being able to hand off. You're you're in a slump. Same mm -hmm. thing happens with a football or a basketball player or other players, right? Where, where they're on a team. They're in a slump. What do they do? The coach might sub them out. Right. Somebody else comes in off the bench, fresh legs, uh, fresh energy. 
And all of a sudden they win the game and you're like, where was this guy? Right. <laughs> and you're able to handle green. Yeah. I exactly. Remember that about Danny green. Yeah. There. The Spurs, the Spurs um, won a lot of games this way. Yeah. Manu Ginobili was at one point like a starter and then they, they made him the sixth man and he came off the bench and he was really good as a sixth man. Yeah. Right. And so uh, it's the same thing for software or, or something very similar that can be used for software. Right. If I'm, if I'm wanting to play in a space that I don't normally play in, right. Let's just say like services. I don't build services a lot, but I, I understand it. Yeah. Let's say I want to play in that area, but I'm starting to struggle. It's okay for me to hand it off and it should be okay for me to hand it off. And potentially like we can mob or pair program on something, but I, it should be okay for me to hand it off. Right. So that way we can get to that win quicker. And, Cause you don't want me going into a slump starting to say, what am I doing on the court? Right. I'm, I'm right. I, I shouldn't be in this position or whatever. And so, and it's okay if I slide back to the position that I'm really strong in and I can come back later and start to learn that other position later. Right. If I'm using sports analogies and things like that, but there's just so much that we can learn from the world of sports and how they operate and how they analyze the things that they do. One, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've both said the fundamental unit of engineering is a team. And I think that's important because it emphasizes exactly what you're saying is that, you know, on a team, people can specialize within a space. They can, they can accelerate wins. Like, like you, like you mentioned Shaq, right? Nobody was like, all right, Shaq, you got to learn to shoot threes. They were like, you know what? No, put Shaq right into the basket and get in the ball right under the basket. If you want him to win, like that's the, that's the hedgehog principle. Right. And so the same thing, like on a team, we have an opportunity to specialize and to flex and to hand off. Whereas if you're an individual, you may have to like learn all of that. Right. And, and, and be good or decent at all of that. And that's no, not great. But like, that also means that like, if you want to skill up, there's somebody to pair up with. Right. And like to, uh, to figure it out along the way with. And I think those are really important in terms of like learning adjacent skills, but also in terms of not burning yourself out. Because like when you're trying, when, when it depends on you, like that's the, we're not saving babies moment. Right. It's like when everything kind of like is on your shoulders and you feel like the whole team standing behind you, like, come on, you got this, but you don't got it. And like the stress is there and that's no fun, man. Like, like, uh, I mean, we've both been in that situation that I don't got it situation. Like, I don't know, like, this is frustrating. Um, And so, I mean, there's some funny memes about that on LinkedIn, but uh, (laughs) yeah. And and in that moment, you want to be able to pass the ball. Yeah. Right. That's right. exactly you, what you, you want to do. You're, you're over there. You're dribbling the ball. You feel like you're being double teamed. You're, the stress is there. And you want to be able to have someone to pass to. And when you don't have someone to pass to, that is really scary and really um, frustrating. Right. Because you've got all this weight on you. Uh, it feels like the whole business depends on you to solve this problem and to do this thing. And if you're doing it yourself and everybody's cheering on you from the bench, but nobody's there for you to pass the ball to. Right. Oh, that's a, that's a rough feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, I mean, and, and, and you kind of take this back, like when you see, I mean, we're not the Harlem Globetrotters, right? So like when one person's on the field and they're playing against a whole team, like you're not going to accelerate your wins. You're actually like, you're making it harder to win. And so like, if we take this back to like, what are the principles that we can take away is like build your team in a way that facilitates winning, like know yep. the problems that you're out to solve and build the team that can solve them. I asked this a lot at work. I learned it actually. I, I mean, so much of the things that I talk about now, I learned at USA, but um, I remember one of my directors came to me and he said, Randy, like you're, you're the lead of this, this area. 
answer me this. Do we have the skills we need to win? And I thought that was such a profound question because he was asking me to do kind of what you're talking about, like to figure out this data-driven approach to like understand like where do my people win and what are the shots I need to make and do I have the right heat map of people to problem? And like, I, I, so I've kind of taken that with me for a while. Like, do we have the skills we need to win? Um, and I think that's an important question to ask. If we're wanting to accelerate wins, we have to build a team that facilitates winning. Yeah. And that's there. And, and that each of those team members is there for the other team member, right? We talk about yeah. this all the time. You know, we both been on teams in the past where you might have one rockstar developer and they're very, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, uh, some rockstar developers are like the kind that lift the team up with them. Right. And then other rockstar developers are the kind that make sure that the team knows that they're up here. Yeah. Right. And I'd rather have a bunch of two to three X developers, if you know, if that's a term, I'd rather have amazingly average developers. Oh, exactly. I bet. Yeah. Give me 10 amazingly average developers over one rockstar developer, because what you have now is you have a team that's supporting each other. uh, That's there ready to catch the ball, right? Give me the ball so you can take a break. Uh, I kind of was what we talked about. Like, like, I think it was last week or something. Um, You were the lead of a team. You had to go on vacation uh, they were releasing and they had to call you when you were on vacation, right? And ping right. you. Well, guess what? You didn't fully hand that ball off, right? right? They're, they're, you're on vacation. They're passing it back to you. Here, yeah. here Randy, so, I know like, you're wait. on vacation, but take the ball. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, not to like beat into the sports metaphors too much, but like Coach Pop yeah. has built entire systems around yeah. this. And I'm, I'm not a huge, I mean, I think it was in my like wedding vows that I had to be a Spurs fan, but I don't, I don't know a ton about like <laughs> basketball, but I know that coach pop, like we could all learn something from him around right. team building and fundamentals and like, and, yeah. and team ball. Right. And like, when you think about like software and even just organizational structures and companies, like you've, you've got to build that team. They can hand off the ball. Yeah. And it's, you're, that's a great point. It is not just software. Yeah. It is not like if you're, running a medical unit and you've got nurses and doctors, right? Mm-hmm. They all need to be able to work together. If you have somebody that's rude to someone else or brash or difficult to talk to, you don't have a team. You have a bunch of individuals potentially, and you don't, you don't win as a team. Right. And so we don't want to win as individuals, right? I don't want to have 10 wins and Randy only has one win, right? We want to have 10 wins together or right. 11 wins together, right? And it, kind of what you talked about with your team, when you're doing your standups, when you're doing your, you're grooming, you're talking about what is the team trying to do as yeah. versus, as opposed to person A and person B, right? And person C and everybody's solving their own problems as opposed to what are we solving this week? What are our team goals? It's a huge- yeah, What's the goal for the day? Gift. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and meaningfully, like intentionally so, because I think that like having a team accelerates wins. And so like one of the things or a couple of things that we've talked about just to like kind of- uh, bookend this which like things that are make it easy to learn to win one scope work small scope work small so that you get to the end and you can actually ask the question did we win and then once you want like be intentional about like reflecting on why that was a win asking the questions like how can we replicate these wins and the third is I, I mean it seems like crazy but like you know people people build your team build a team that facilitates winning, like build, build a team for the problem and build a team, not just, don't, don't just hire a bunch of people with the skills that you have, but build people that can, 
that know how to work in teams. Yeah, it goes a little back to what you were saying, I think the week or two before, it's that people build companies, Yeah. right? It's not individuals, or I'm sorry, it's not just one person. I'm sure there's probably instances of where like one person built a company or whatever, but in in reality, people build companies, um, even if it was started by one person, people, companies teams are made of people. people, exactly. Uh, this was, you know, a little different. I know we got a little heavy into the sports analogies, but yeah. it makes me think about all the things that we can learn from other spaces as opposed to just, you know, software. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think, you know, some of the, I'm not a good engineer, you know that about me. Um, so I'll just say that for everybody on the podcast as well. So they all know that about me too, but I think some of the like strongest, like, you know, things that I bring to software that have helped me be successful is actually my experience, like before I was an engineer, which we've talked about on a previous podcast, like my time as a teacher feels infinitely valuable to me now, um, in a way that probably like, I mean, it's felt more valuable in this space, even like than it was in the classroom sometimes. Well, I, I feel like this was the win, so we can definitely end. Yeah, on a win. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, this 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 podcast has been a win, and and I think that the, uh, I mean, I'm just always very excited to go out to the board and see how quickly things are moving now, um, which is which is also very much a win to me. Like, I don't know if you ever do it, but whenever I'm like, um, whenever I need a win, sometimes it's just enough. And this is, I think something we, maybe we just need to loop back to this. It's like, you, you almost need, you know, when, whenever you're like wayfinding, right. You'll, you'll get to a landmark and you'll leave a stack of stones to remind yourself that you've been this way before. Right. And like, maybe the other thing to say about like accelerating wins is making sure that you leave artifacts to remind yourself that you've been that way before. Like, like that, Hey, okay. Now we're on a paved path to get to the win, like I know where to go, right? Um, and then that's something that I think about a little bit. It's like sometimes when I'm, when I need a win, I'll just go back out to the board and look at like what we've already done. I won't look at the tickets that are still in, in, in progress or in the backlog. I'll look at, here are the wins we've already had. And even that's like, that's motivating, you know? So that then I'm like, okay, well, let me find something that's similar to what we've done that I can know I can do in a reasonable time. I mean, you know, yesterday I pushed up like two tickets that were really small, but they were in a space that was very familiar to me and that was very aligned with what was already doing because I knew that, oh, well, with the, there's already a release going out. Let me just tack these two on and that's another win. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also really, really important is to leave, to have artifacts for your wins. Yeah, and last thing I'll say here, and this is for everybody, you know, whether you're learning where you're, you're building software is, to don't neglect or don't overlook the small wins, right? Mm, a, mm-hmm. a, a win, even small, is better than than no win. Well, let me let me also just one last thing I think I'll say is that don't play Tetris with your wins. You know, you think about Tetris and like you you get a row completed and it disappears. Yep. Don't let your wins disappear. And then the only thing that stacks up is the stuff that's still there. Like, like, don't play Tetris with your wings. Like, let them, let them, let them stay, let them stay for a minute.